You are listening to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. The song that you just heard is Mr. Thomas Brown, an elder from the Elam Pomo tribes that was singing a two-step dance song. Um, I just wanted him to know that I'm thinking of him and wishing him a speedy recovery. Sinthamana, Pikabitam De Ana, I am your host, Keshi Corrine Pierce. I am a local Pomo basket weaver, traditional artist, herbalist, dancer, storyteller, and cultural educator with ancestry from Lake and Mendocino County tribes. Yawi, thank you for joining me this rainy December morning to take a closer look at some of the amazing people, places, and events that make our homes in Mendocino, Lake, and Sonoma counties unique and rich. I'm grateful to be able to share some of my personal heroes and friends who happen to be some of the most influential movers and shakers in our local indigenous community and beyond. I'm so excited to share today's guest with you. Mr. Paul Stewart of the Elem Indian Colony is not only a seasoned and gifted band leader of the celebrated and much-loved band Twice as Good, he is the CEO of 2XG Records, all while serving as a professor of Native American Studies at the Sonoma State University. I've known about Paul and Twice as Good for a long time now, and I have to admit that I have a few favorite songs, and I feel so lucky and excited today to get to share those with you. Um, last month, I had the pleasure of attending a career fair that I think you guys should know about, too, that was planned, organized, and executed by the incredibly talented and determined students from South Valley High School. Paul was one of their chosen presenters at the career fair, and I was so inspired by the messages um, that he had for the students, and I was so impressed by everything that he has accomplished and continues to accomplish. I knew that I needed to get him on Good Ancestors and Local Treasures as soon as possible so everybody could hear his awesome works. Uh, I'm so glad that you agreed to be on the show this morning.
and thank you for joining me. But before we hear from our guest, I want to share something near and dear to my heart with everyone listening and hope that I don't start crying. Uh, yesterday, after a couple years hiatus, I was able to attend the 11th annual Native American Elders Christmas Party hosted by Hope for Natives. It was a wonderful event located at the Coyote Valley Tribal Gymnasium in Redwood Valley. There were gifts for every elder in attendance, which is just amazing. Uh, there was a wonderful holiday meal, complete with pie and strong coffee. There was traditional dancing, singing, and prayers, which were much needed. I found myself feeling so emotional yesterday. Um, I could tell that a lot of other people were feeling the same way. The Native community um, and our community in large has been hit hard by loss for the last couple of years. Yesterday there were so many missing faces from the celebration and I kept um, having these waves of sadness and grief and missing the people that should be there. And then in the very next breath I would be overwhelmed by joy and gratitude for the opportunity to see and celebrate the elders that are still with us. Losses due to COVID and social isolation have had a huge, in, a huge impact on our tribal communities. It was so wonderful to have the opportunity to spend time with our tribal community elders. Towards the end of the festivities, the 10 oldest elders are named um, and they get to sit at the head of the gathering area and they're honored with blankets and gifts. And this year, our top elders ranged in age from a young 87 to 103 years old. It was truly an honor to be in their presence and it was a beautiful sight to behold. As a cultural educator and teacher, I'm committed to sharing the things that I love and am most proud of about my culture. The event that was held yesterday is right up towards the top of my list of things that I'm proud of. And I really felt that you should all get a little peek into the fun things that we are doing. The local Native community has a long history of honoring our elders, honoring our veterans, uh, honoring our community members that make great achievements, and that's something that we can all be proud of and benefit from. I was grateful to be a part of the elders' celebration, and I look forward to many more years of being part of the event. All right, now for the really good part. <laughs> Before we talk to our guest, Paul Stewart, we're going to listen to a song. And if you listen to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures regularly, you know that I don't play a lot of music on the show. Um, two songs, max, three songs sometimes. But today I'm going to play you more songs. And I absolutely can't wait. I feel like a real DJ now. So it's very fancy. Um, so without further delay, uh, our guest, Paul Stewart, and this is actually from the band Twice as Good, performing Dance With Me.
Was awesome. Um, good morning, Paul Sintamana. Good morning, Mahakape. I'm good. How are you doing? Um, you know, I I had a hard time figuring out which four songs I was going to play today. I had to whittle it down from 15 <laughs> of the favorite ones, and I realized that I think I might be a hopeless romantic because all the ones that I picked are like, oh, that's really jazzy, but this one's like a tummy rubbing song, so let's play this one. Um, so everybody's getting a treat this morning. So um, tell us about yourself, who you are, what you do, all the amazing things that are making you a good ancestor and local treasure. Oh, thank you. I don't think I'm an ancestor yet. I'm only uh, I'm 37 years old still for a few more days. Um, 
Good morning, everybody. My name is Paul Stewart. Ah, uh, Paul. Ah, Elem Chiklaubak. I'm from Elem Indian Colony, uh, Homo Indian. Uh, originally raised on the reservation in Lake County, but I live in Santa Rosa now. And uh, I teach Native American Studies at Sonoma State and also at San Francisco State. Um, <clears throat> but mostly I've been doing music for a long time. Uh, my dad, Richard Stewart from Elem, uh, him and I played music together. He taught me to play guitar when I was 13 or 14. And we've been playing together ever since. And so we have a band called Twice As Good. And as well, I've also released a new solo project, just as Paul Stewart, uh, doing all kinds of music. But that's what I'm here today. So thank you for having me, Kareem. Thank you for being here. Um, so you started playing guitar at 12 or 13. Do you play other instruments? And I also um, want to know, and I always want to know, because I see you all over the place. Like, you're all over. And you've been playing for so long. When did you guys start that band? <laughs> yes, a long time. Um, let's see. When I, The first music instrument I ever remember having was I had a little toy piano when I was like five or six years old. And uh, I, I, you know, I didn't really do a lot, but I, I figured out how to play melodies. I know I could play like a, a few like Christmas songs on it and like happy birthday or something like that. So I figured out early on melodies and notes, how they work and, you know, memorizing which direction to go up or down to get the right note. And then after that, let's see, in middle school, I played French horn for like a year. Um, but I never really was, I always liked music. I grew up, my, my grandparents are, um, my grandpa is Wilmer Toby Stewart. He's on the old um, Mendocino and Manchester rolls from way back a long time ago. But my, uh, and my grandma is Priscilla Brown Smith from Elam. And uh, my step-grandpa, uh, because my grandpa passed away before I was born, my step-grandpa was Pete Smith uh, from Lower Lake. And... So they raised me, but I remember growing up around them, they always loved listening to old country music. So that was big. And you know, I remember hearing like Hank Williams and I remember hearing like all this old stuff, you know, the old country music. They loved that. And I liked it too. So I listened for a country a long time. Uh, growing up on the reservation, I remember hearing all kinds of music. When I was a kid, you know, in the early 90s, all sorts of R&B and funk and, you know, early hip hop and things like that. Um, and like rock and roll and old R&B, you know, like The Temptations or Al Green or stuff like that. Uh, my, uh, my aunt, my aunt Myrtle Stewart really liked The Temptations and a lot of classic soul music. And um, so we moved to Santa Rosa later on. Um, we had some trouble at 11. But it, when I was 13, I guess, I remember um, my uncle Leroy, Leroy Smith, brought home a CD of, um, he brought home a CD of some B.B. King to share with my dad because he knew that, you know, my dad liked B.B. King and they both liked him. So they put it in the, the, the player and it started playing and I heard the guitar and it was do, 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 do. And I thought, that sounds cool. You know, that slow blues beat was so funky and just had a, a different kind of feel I'd never really heard before. And I thought that was great. And so I liked it. And so I said, Dad, I want to I learn how to play that because I knew he could play guitar. 
So then he had this old beat up guitar that uh, recently he had gotten. My my aunt uh, Lorianne Smith, she had got this uh, old beat up guitar at like a, a yard sale or something. It was like worth five, it was five dollars. <laughs> it wasn't the best guitar at all, but my dad had that sitting around in the room. So he kind of picked it up and showed me some basic ideas of what the guitar is. And uh, I didn't really get on it right away because this guitar was harsh. I could barely play it. But I would try. I would, you know, hold the strings down and pluck the notes and make some sounds. So that really was my first introduction to it. But I didn't get serious about learning guitar until I was 14. When I was 14, my dad got me a guitar. At first, he got me an acoustic guitar um, that we ordered out of a catalog. And that's when I, you know, really started working at actually like studying and learning. I was practicing my chords and my scales and, and I was doing it. I figured out how to play it. I liked it. I would come home and play guitar every day. So my dad, uh, realized like, yeah, I, I had promise that I liked it. My dad loved music too. He didn't know a lot. He just really knows like basic chords and things like that. He doesn't really play the scales. Um, he just plays chords. So he told me, well, Paul, it's up to you to learn all the scales and all the rest of the music. So that was his his task for me. So I just started learning and imitating different players I heard on the on the radio and on CDs. Um, then Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve in 1998, historic day, that's when my dad bought me my first electric guitar. It's the one hanging up on the wall behind me. And uh, that... Uh, I love that guitar. It's great. It's an old jazz-style hollow-body electric guitar, kind of like B.B. King's guitar. And uh, it was, it's easy to play, and it sounds good. So that, really, once I got that, I, I was picking that up every day and practicing and practicing and playing and having fun. I would come home after school and play every day till my fingers were sore and then still keep playing. So after about two years of just practice, 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 uh, I got pretty good. I picked up quick. Yeah. 14, 15, yeah, like a year and a half. I started taking my guitar to school and sharing it with my friends at high school and playing and, you know, uh, people, uh, they liked it. They said, yeah, Paul's good. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed the attention. I enjoyed sharing music. Or even if nobody was paying attention, I was just happy to have my guitar because it gave me something fun to do. And uh, even the band director at our school noticed it. And he's, he's, man, you can play good. You should really join our, our high school jazz band. So I remember uh, when I was in my sophomore year of high school, I joined the band. And that was a good thing for me because then I got to start to get some formal music training. You know, as the band director, he was had degrees in music and everything. He taught me music theory. He taught me how to read music, uh, read guitar charts and read the notes. He taught me music theory and, and ear training, how to listen to notes and understand them. So that was a good experience for me. So it brought me out of like an informal, just kind of playing by ear and figuring it out to actual formal music training so that I understood how things worked and that, that helped me to hear and learn faster and improve. Then um, Dad and I, we had been playing, so. By this time, we were, you know, playing little family parties and stuff. We used to go to Cloverdale, where my um, my step uncle uh, Russell Sedano lived, and we used to have uh, family get-togethers with him and his family and all that. And um, his family was Mexican, so they would have like cumbia music. Him and his brothers and relatives they played together. They'd have the accordion, and Russ Russ played the drums. 
So we used to go jam and do that, but then also do a little bit of old R&B and some blues music, and they'd let me sit in and play with my guitar. Uh, we had fun. We did that a lot. Uh, so that I got to jam with those guys and learn music. That was probably my first time on stage, actually, was playing at one of the family parties. I think it was Russell's older brother. I think it was Louis, one of Louis' birthday parties or something. They, and then Russ called me and, Paul, come jam with us. So it's through my Uncle Russ that I got my first like on-stage experience. So you were like 15, um, 16 doing that. Yeah, I, was okay. like, I, I guess I was 15 at that time, yeah. And then... Um, I was playing like talent shows at high school, jamming with my friends and putting bands together. Actually, from from sophomore year on, I played every year in our, in our high school talent show, and I always placed, you know, second or first, second or third every year. I won like first in sophomore year, high school year, I won first, and then later on I took third. Uh, I was always in the top three, though. But the main group that uh, really was serious was me and Dad playing music together, and when I was uh, 16, we traveled over to Calusa. We knew some friends through my Uncle Leroy. We traveled over to Katsulihi uh, Reservation. And I was hanging out with some guys over there, and we started a little band together. There was a bass player and drummer. Uh, so back then, we used to be called Red Man Blues. What's the band we had? <laughs> and we, you know, we jammed a lot and just practiced at the house. But we, we had got a few gigs here and there, so we got out and played. One thing that was really cool, I don't know if people remember, but back in 2002, I think it was, uh, Robinson Rancheria Casino threw like a, a, a blues festival for Native American bands. So we, we were booked to play, and um, NAB was booked to play, and that was uh, Jim Brown, my dad's cousin from 11, and uh, his, his group was playing, the Native American blues band, NAB. And who else played there that day? Um, oh, Rick Parrish and Black Horse. Rick Parrish is from uh, Kashaya. And who else played that day? There's other groups, but we played. In the, it was great. It was just this, uh, this little program. It's a good show, Native, Native Band. So that was one of our gigs. And um, we played a few other things. But eventually, you know, it got hard. We didn't have a lot of gigs. And sometimes, we, you know, there was things we'd miss a gig or stuff like that would happen but me and dad realized that we had to venture out on our own it was time to uh to step up a little bit and do more things so dad and i uh uh, let's see we got our name a lot of people ask about our name so dad and i uh we were at our house in santa rosa and jamming and dad one of dad's friends came over and it was was a funny thing because he's you know, he was, listen to Paul. Paul's really good. He can play the guitar. Dad's, my dad's always been my greatest promoter. Yeah, I never get negative feedback from me. He's always just, like, positive and just tells the world about it. So I appreciate my dad. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So he was, you know, Paul's great. You ought to, you ought to hear this guy play. And then uh, his friend said, yeah, Paul's really good. He sounds great. And then uh, my dad said, yeah, Paul wants to become a professional musician, you know, uh, grow up and play music and be famous and all that. And so... His friend said, oh, wow, he said, that's hard, though, you know. They were, they were, you know, having a little bit of fun, too. Maybe they were having a few drinks or something. So they were kind of loose. But he said, oh, I don't know if you can do that. He said, it's kind of hard to make it in the music industry. And, and you're Indian, you know, you won't make it. Because it's especially back then, this was just the, you know, early 2000s. We had casinos, but Native American people really hadn't risen up so much yet. We were still dealing with a lot of our historical things. And he said, man, it's hard for Native people to make it, you know, and uh, 
we, we got no media control. People won't pay attention to you. He said one of those phrases. He said, oh, man, you got to be twice as good as the white people to make it. And that's an old phrase. And, you know, we know what that means in context to um, minority BIPOC people of America, sometimes having to work harder just to prove that they are capable and deserving of a, of a job or of a position or, or things like that. Um, but Dad, in his rebellious spirit, uh, he took it as a, as a challenge. He's like, okay, well, if we got to be twice as good, then we're going to be twice as good, you know? And that, so. Oh, for dad. <laughs> yeah, oh, for dad. And that's how the name came about. <laughs> and uh, so later on, we actually made business cards and started, you know, made a little sign for ourselves. And later on, we went back to my dad's friend. We found where he was. It was visiting him again and said, hey, check this out. And he just laughed when he saw that name. But uh, that's how it came to be, you know, and I've always taken it as between dad and I, we say, you know, it's what, whatever the outside world is, we can't control, you know, where there are these social issues and barriers, social hierarchies. I can't control that. I didn't make it. I'm just here. I just I just showed up. And that's how things are. But for myself, I know that I can work hard. I can do my best. I can, um, you know, have my own personal drive and that I'm good enough for myself. For myself, I deem that I'm, I'm good enough. So in that, I will be twice as good. You know, for my, I, I believe in myself, I am. And just, just to attempt at something that might be difficult, that's honorable. So I kind of take it and give it a more of a positive spin, you know, and encourage all of our people, especially our native people, our native youth, to believe in yourself and, you know, give it a try. You know, this is your life and follow your dreams. You know, give it your best effort. Oh, um, I'm. We're about to play another song. I'm so excited, and I I was wondering if you wanted to say anything about. We're gonna. I'm gonna play um, back to Clear Lake Oaks, which I think is so cool. I love it. Uh, I love it when people write about where they're from and where you know what they love. So, um, what is the song for you? Oh yeah, back to well, that's that's my little hometown. I love that town. Here it is. Um, you know, over 30 years later since I've known it, and it's practically the same size, hardly ever changes, a lot of the same stores, same, you know, same people. It's beautiful. But more than that, Clear Lake Oaks and uh, my, my reservation to Elam. Is, um, I'm always going home. You know, I might move places, I might travel the world, but no matter what, wherever I am, eventually I'm always going home, back to home and back to be with the ancestors. All right. So we are going to listen to that right now. Going back to 
always want to say oh <laughs> after all this song especially like i love that song and um for some reason i want it to be a christmas song all the time We're like it's it's cold let's play this song it makes me happy um you are listening to good ancestors and local treasures on kzyx philo 90.7 fm kzyz willits and ukiah and 91.5 fm and fort bragg at 88.1 fm you can also find us on the new uh, kzyx app where we live stream and also at kzyx.org we are talking today with Paul Stewart, musician and educator, and um, you just brought something up before the song. Like it was, it was only a few years ago, like 20, 15 years ago, and Native Americans had no representation. Like the the amount of change that I've seen in that time is really amazing. That you're an educator, um, that you just released this solo project, that you have a record company. It's just amazing. Um, can you talk about what that change has been like to go from you know no no exposure and no support to to more yes thank you right so well let's see i was born in 1984 nearly the end of the year so you know the late 80s and early 90s um i remember slightly before there was casinos and it was just just you know really basic and i hear all these old stories especially from older people like my dad, my uncles, I remember elder grandparents' generation talking about stuff. And it was just a really simpler life then. We were a very, you know, very much the minority community of America, kind of unknown. And our, our only, like, claim to fame, our only famousness at that time was Native American, you know, traditionalism and, and spirituality. Uh, we the only time there was interest in this is when anthropologists would study us and oh look at how they used to make traditional things just from simple earth materials or oh look at their philosophies and spiritualities how you know it's it's very peaceful and different than christianity um and these are these are kind of broad and stereotypical generalizations that aren't always true because we are very very unique from tribe to tribe even from band to band within tribes um that's on the deeper sense. But yes, that was then that casinos came along and suddenly we had businesses. Suddenly we started to get money. Suddenly people started to get paychecks. They had jobs. And it just turned things around, you know, because uh, people say, oh, you can't just throw money, throw money at it to solve a problem. <laughs> but sometimes you can. And when the problem is no money and then you give people money, <laughs> well, it fixes quite a bit. Uh, it does cause problems. We've had numerous, you know, in, just in our local, just in our state, we've had many issues with tribes that fight over money, break out into violence, steal and embezzle from one another. And I, I don't condone these at all. I think it's the worst. And I think it's better for people just be patient and wait it out and solve it and just distribute more equitably or distribute in a way that's uh, fair and right, something, but talk about it. You know, don't, yeah. So we, those are issues that all of us could think about, take to heart, and try to be more respectful and transparent. Um, but at least on the larger scale, though, it's done so much, so good for us in general, because Native people having income, the casinos have funded our education, the casinos have funded our jobs, we have jobs, we have incomes, we have, you know, um, royalty collection, either, either we're getting paid from the casino or we're getting paid from a non-gaming revenue sharing, things like that. It's giving us a little bit of stability 
suddenly we're able to pay those bills instead of our phone bill getting cut off every three or six months. You know, we, we have a regular phone number. We're starting to settle down and regularly, hopefully, pay our rent, you know, and stay stay stable, stay planned, as opposed to getting kicked out and living with relatives off and on, things like that. Uh, not to say that those things aren't still happening out there. Our community does still need help and support to stabilize it, but we've improved so much since since those times. So overall, the gaming industry has really helped us. Um, and now, I mean, all, all the Native students can go to college for free. They can go to the UC system, all of our California students. Uh, even the even unrecognized tribal members, um, if they're the unrecognized tribes, even are allowed to apply and go to UC student uh, UC colleges if they're a California native uh, through the uh, through a program that's established and funded by other big tribes. So unrecognized and recognized Californians can go to the UC system for free, and we all have the grant monies available to attend even the state colleges. So if you end up at Sonoma State or SF State, you might see me, and I would be happy to have you as my students. But yeah, in my own lifetime, I've seen that change, uh, just us having businesses and income, given us a lot of stability, and then from stability and comfort, we're able to start to grow ourselves and improve, improve our health, improve our education, our well-being, improve our mental health, uh, a lot of things. So continual, just, you know, Native support for Native people and you know, we'll get there in time so that so that we only sing the blues and that we don't live the blues, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's for real. Um, it's, you know, I, I saw this quote the other day that made me laugh and it said, it's a, it's a lot easier to accomplish your dreams when you have lights and food in the fridge. And that's that's for real. Like, I always talk about and I love to highlight um, indigenous excellence and indigenous ingenuity. And it's hard to do those things without a stable base. And we all know that pulling oneself up by their bootstraps is not that was intended as a joke. That's not a real thing that people can do. <laughs> That's not possible. Um, there's another thing I want to talk to you about because the next song that I'm going to play in a while um, is the one that you that's in your language. And I, I never know how to say beautiful in Southeastern. We say it differently in Northern. Um, mm. But at the career fair, in your video, you talked about incorporating traditional songs with the contemporary songs and that's a really big thing I've, I've only seen that in like the last five years and uh when you're talking about our tribes the different pomo tribes um whenever we do stuff like that like that's new you know you're you're going where other people haven't gone before um with this music or you're one of four you know that are that are doing this so talk about about that why it's important for you to incorporate um your indigenous roots into the music that you're making hmm. yes well um you know as i said i grew up remember hearing all that stuff with my grandparents i used to go to the roundhouse i used to go to the public gatherings the big times we used to go to hand games we used to go to powwows you know, traveling all over the place. And the same, you know, me and my dad and going all these places and hearing our, our traditional style Pomo music. Of course, we have our, just our sacred ceremonial songs that stay in the roundhouse only. But we do have our public songs that we put out there. And, you know, I've seen our dance groups in, in San Francisco and in Oakland and in 
in New York and Los Angeles, and, you know, traveling the world now, so it's growing. But we always come at it from a, a traditional presentation. So, you know, when it's time for it, like, hey, America, look at here's homo singers and dancers. And it's always in the traditional category. It's always a something, you know, that's separate that can't just be consumed casually. And that's good. I kind of appreciate that respect for it. But for myself as a musician and artist, like, I like it all the time. And I don't want to have to just wait for a museum, you know, to, to feature us. Or I don't have to just wait for a particular holiday kind of a thing to, to present us. Like, it should be there everywhere, every day. Like, you should be able to go walking through the grocery store at Safeway or something. And, hey, look, there's some Pomo music on the radio. You know, our, our language can be there. Our rhythms, our beats, our clapper sticks. It can be there just as much as any other music, yeah. Because uh, this is our this is uh, our homeland too, so our music might as well be here and everywhere. And then just to share it, to be able to share it, because I'm I'm on a uh, on an intermittent world tour right now. So I played in Japan in September. I presented to the Japanese people, the tribe, the the indigenous tribe of Japan. I went to them with our pomo style and sang, so they could hear it, so they could experience the clapper stick, and uh, and hear our song and the. Manic is beautiful. Manic music. Manic umthiwi, beautiful person. So when your song and your when your song and your speech, your spirit is good, then your whole personhood is is beautiful as well. Uh, one thing that I I have noticed, and and I know that you're you're a Native American studies educator, so I'm sure you know a lot about that, a lot about what I'm going to talk about. Um, a lot of things that are created are created for the white gaze or through the, you know, I, I don't call it the dominant perspective. I call it the dominating perspective, you know, the domineering perspective of what, of the stereotypes that, um, Americans have learned growing up about Native Americans. And, um, you know, there's always that stoic Indian, uh, you know, and everything we do is sacred, and that's true. Everything we do is sacred. Art is sacred. Music is sacred. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's boring or that it's very strict. And I love that you're talking about um, the public side of what we do. You know, the the songs that are sung in public, on the fun songs, the laughing songs. Um, I always think that those are important and that if you're outside of our culture... Um, you don't get to see any of that. You you aren't privy to that really, unless you really go out on a limb, and you know invite yourself to hand game, invite yourself to the roundhouse, invite yourself to the gatherings. Um, I love that you're you're incorporating it, and I feel the same way. And that's part of the reason that I started uh, to do this program when the producer was talking to me, and she's like, you know, there's power in your voices being heard just being on on the air because this is where our ancestors are so if you're just riding in your car or sitting in your office and you're hearing these words in pomo that are being spoken these these rhythms that are being played with traditional instruments made from the land that we are on i think it it just adds power and i love being able to to show that, to share that, and I love that you're creating it. Um, I want to uh, start that song, but I, I like to stay on my time limit. 
um, so I'm actually going to start it right now because I think it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And if you can say the name of it again, that would be great. The song is called Milik Khe. Uh, translates to beautiful music. Beautiful music. All right. I'm going to pull that up right now. so awesome i love that song it's it's quickly bumping all my other favorites like just kicking them <laughs> like get out of the way i'm first now um so it, we are wrapping up here pretty soon but i would love for you um to talk about how people can support you where they can find your music where you're playing um and i also wanted to remind you it's been a long time since i've seen you in person the last time that i I got to see you in person was at Cynthia Daniel's birthday party um, oh. down at Hopland. God rest her soul. We missed uh, one of the most wonderful elders that we had from Hopland. I'm so grateful that I got to see you there and that I got to dance with her um, to you and your dad's music. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? How can they support you? Where where can they get your album? Yeah, um, my website, paul2xg.com. 
Paul2XG, uh, you can order the CD, you can order the vinyl. Uh, we got vinyl records now for any of you collectors. Oh, <laughs> everything old is new again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you'll find um, you'll find all the links to all of my uh, uh, social media accounts. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can find links to all of our streaming. We're on Spotify. We're on Tidal. We're on Amazon. We're on any of all of those networks. So you can find the music and you can stream it there. Both twice as good and Paul Stewart. So my website, paul2xg.com, the other uh, website, twiceasgood.org. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful that you were here today. I loved everything that you talked about. Um, I'm grateful that you uh, did the video for the career fair for the South Valley kids. That was really, really great. They organized that whole thing. Um, the Native students there really really got it together and they were very impressed by everything that you had to say on that video so i just wanted to say thank you very much have a great holiday season um have fun on your world tour that sounds amazing yeah um, we're going to the uk next month wear a lot of clothes <laughs> bring a lot of layers it gets pretty chilly there thank you so much paul it's wonderful to talk to you and have a great holidays thank you you too all right All right, so I am getting ready to leave here, but before I do, um, I wanted to remind everybody about uh, one of the documentaries that I had mentioned before, which is called Rumble, and it's about Link Ray, who was an amazing musician. It also features other indigenous musicians, and if you have some downtime over the holidays, uh, over the next month or so, definitely listen to that. Uh, to date, the song Rumble is still the only instrumental song to ever be banned uh, because it was believed that it would incite a riot. Um, so I'm going to actually play my very favorite song for you guys by Twice as Good. And you can really tell that I'm a hopeless romantic <laughs> by this song because I really spent a lot of time uh, listing the songs that I was going to play and whittling them down to which ones are my favorites. Um, they can't all be hopeless romantic ones, but this one definitely is. So I'm going to play that for you uh, right now. And it is called Never Let You Go. And it is one of my favorites. So here you go. Happy holidays, everybody.
This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.